0: There are about 400 codes of conduct um, uh, around the world covering all aspects of journalism, but actually all of them are really focused on five key values for journalism. And the first of them is accuracy. Well, the first principle is no deceptive handling of the facts. We work in facts, so fact-based information. Secondly, there's the principle of independence. The work that you do is your own work but it's not on on behalf of anyone else. You're not there to be a spokesman for the government, you're not there to be a representative of of a particular business group or a special interest group. You have transparency in what you do. Uh, Thirdly there is the principle of impartiality. That is to say you recognize that there's more than one side of a story and very often there's more than two sides of a story. And then fourthly, there's the question of humanity. As a journalist, you're expected to show humanity. And what I mean by that is you're expected to be aware of the consequences of what you publish. So you have to be aware that sometimes the words you use can do damage. They can be harmful to people. So humanity is a very important part of it. And fifthly, is the issue of accountability. It's the one that's probably most difficult for journalists. We have to engage with the audience and we have to correct our mistakes. And we have to be prepared to provide remedies when we got when we get it wrong and do damage.
1: What I saw in the media about the Jimmy that they were reporting about, it didn't match the one that I knew personally. He was not this mean,
2: uh, cold, callous, drug dealing murderer that um, was depicted in the media. He was a kind, loving uh, father, friend, businessman, just an all around good person. The main thing I remember about Jimmy is the laughter.
3: Previously on Unjust Justice.
0: There was this fear of Jimmy because of this reputation that he had from being someone who dealt in the streets and handled things.
2: Executives would get nervous. They didn't know if he was more of like a Suge Knight type personality.
1: What he's known for in the streets, um, I think it is definitely... Uh, hindered his progression as a businessman.
2: I should have been able to manage a Lady Gaga or a Britney Spears or a Mariah Carey. But the only people I could pick up because of my reputation was the people down on their luck. You got guys like Gucci Mane who nobody would touch. The guy comes to my hotel room begging me, What do I do? I go sign Gucci Mane to Warner Brothers. I put Gucci on Mariah Carey and every other mainstream artist. I took this dude from nothing to something. And they still don't acknowledge my talent in the game.
3: The evolution of the truth in the media has taken a dark turn here in 2020. One could argue we are in the middle of the post-truth era with no end in sight. The narrative around controversial events are not fact-based. They are presented in an echo chamber where the favored and the loudest get the attention, the clicks, and the platform. Social media, fake news, and these algorithms jam our Facebook feeds and conspiracy theories rule the day. When Jimmy Rosemont started to ascend the ranks of the hip-hop music industry, it was a different time. Hip-hop blogs and media outlets were still traditional in a sense. Power players like Vibe Magazine, XXL, and The Source, these were publications where fans could find information and dig deeper into the characters and storylines within the culture. People actually still read long form journalism that mattered. In December of 2005, Vibe Magazine published an article written by Ethan Brown profiling Jimmy Rosemont. Jimmy agreed to do the piece in hopes to clear the air about rumors circulating about his involvement in the infamous 1994 quad studio shooting of Tupac Shakur. Instead, it had the opposite effect, what was supposed to be an article of redemption turned into a glorification of his criminal past. Brown's article spotlighted Jimmy's nefarious past, portraying him as a gangster Moving in the shadows of the music industry and alluding to connections between Jimmy and several criminal cases.
2: That Five magazine ended up really, that Ethan Ethan Brown had written, was almost like my uh, curse against me. Because every law enforcement read it, and and just like how. Ethan Brown started the article. He was like, "Uh, somehow I became the uber-villain in the music business. And for a fact, that that was true.
3: Jimmy saw firsthand how someone in journalism lurking in the shadows with a well-earned reputation was always looking for that sensational headline. Ethan Brown chronicled many aspects of hip-hop culture as a writer. I found it curious that someone as savvy as Jimmy would have been duped by Ethan, wanting to do a hit piece for Vibe. Everyone in hip hop wanted more information on Jimmy's life. He was, as he said, the boogeyman of the industry. The question is, was Jimmy fully removed from his days in Brooklyn as a hustler and criminal? Had he made the full transition into a legitimate businessman?
1: When we were talking the other day, I went back and read the Ethan Brown article. It seemed like—and correct me if I'm wrong—the purpose of it was sort of just talk about the whole Quad Studios thing, get it, get it on the record, and be done with it. Any person I've ever talked to who's worked with Ethan or has or someone's been written by Ethan has never been happy with what he's done. And it sounded like that article you felt brought the attention of law enforcement. What went wrong in terms of the article? Or did it go wrong?
2: Well, up until then, I, I always felt the best thing to do is just to remain silent on the issue. Ethan Brown had reached out to a publicist and, um, and we were mulling over, should I even address the issue? and What it go away at that point? And so Ethan, um, you know, he hit me with the whole he was going to put it in the the New Yorker. And so, we felt, okay, if we're going to do it for a big magazine like that, let's just get it out the way Um, and hopefully the rumors can subside. And so, at at that point, I just, you know, this was the first time I would be talking about to some extent. But not only that, it was, game was really bubbling at that time. So what I... What he asked me to do, he asked, can he uh, accompany me while I was with gang? And so he flew down to Florida, and I gave him full access to me behind the scenes doing what I do um, as a manager. Then he ended up, after he did the interview, he told me he was putting it in in vibe magazine. I could have done a vibe magazine article with a writer that I, w- I felt was more compatible to me, um, how that turned into a, a New York Magazine article, into a, a Vi um, article. This is when I knew that this this article was a problem. I went had a case in Maryland, and um, I had went to trial on it, and the detectives out there made it their business to sit in the lobby with that magazine, and had it for all to see, was giving it to the prosecutor, and it was it was almost like this is a bad guy. We need to convict him on this. And it was it was me and a DJ had got to a fight, and they charged me for assault and Maryland while I was on a promo tour with Game, and uh, and I, that's when I knew that this article, because it came out around. Either a few months before I started trial on that case, or around the time when I was on trial, or something. But I just remember they had it like every day um, and paraded around with it, and, and, and was telling people I was such a bad guy and how dangerous I was, and that I, I'm the one who um, had something to do. They would never say that I accused of the assault. They would be talking like I was accused of the murder. And uh, that's when I knew that that article was the worst thing that I ever did. The thing that Ethan had promised me, how he would shape the story, he didn't shape the story that way. And, and, and look, man, I, I respect the, the integrity of journalism. But look, man, and I've been the victim of people writing things that aren't true. And depending on the writer would be depending on how they write it he starts the article off saying that I am the over-villain in the music industry.
3: If a story was printed in a major news outlet or one of the prestige hip-hop publications, that word was gospel. The environment wasn't filled with message boards or Instagram feeds that could be clogged with misinformation. For Jimmy, He unfortunately has experienced both of these phases of the media, old school and now new school where his personal story and journey has been overshadowed by small salacious Instagram posts by his enemies or the misinformed who actually think he might have even killed Tupac, which is staggeringly stupid, yet it has been said by more than one person. The media and its influence in the early days of the explosion of hip-hop is a topic that has rarely been unpacked, but needs further examination.
2: Here's the thing, Ethan Brown put out there in that article, if I can remember correctly, he put out there that I was being investigated by the Eastern District already because they had brought Jack and Haitian Jack and they had brought Cutdown for questioning in regards yeah. to me with the Tupac thing. He said something to the effect that I was already a suspect. So I, I, I wasn't. They weren't even, I wasn't even on the people' radar at the time. They wasn't even thinking about it. I'm Richard You. I'm the U.S.
1: attorney here in the Eastern District of New York. Minutes ago, a federal jury
0: here in the Eastern District convicted Joaquin El Chapo Guzman Loea on all counts of the federal indictment. In sum, the jury found that Guzman
1: led the Sinaloa Cartel, one of the largest and most dangerous drug cartels in the world. We're here today to announce the fact that a grand jury uh, here in the Eastern District has returned an indictment. Uh, And and we have alleged that two defendants, uh, Carl Jordan Jr and Ronald Washington are responsible for the murder of Jason uh, Mizell, who's a, known to to many of us as uh, Jam Master J from the from the hip-hop group Run-DMC. This is why I say that that article did
2: so much damage to me, because he put that in the mind that I was already being investigated. So I go to Jeff Lickman at that point, and I tell Jeff Lichtman to investigate to see if I'm really being investigated. Because Jeff worked in the Eastern District so much, we find out now that I'm not even really being investigated. But the seed has been planted already, like I'm being investigated. All of a sudden now, Todd Kaminsky gets to the Eastern District, he pulls down Dexter Isaac.
3: Jimmy references Jeffrey Lichtman, who at the time was on retainer as Jimmy's attorney. In New York legal circles, Jeffrey Lichtman was a high-powered criminal defense attorney working out of the famed Southern and Eastern Districts. His client list has been littered with infamous criminals and cases. He was one of El Chapo's defense attorneys in his case in the Eastern District. And he beat a case for mob scion John Gotti Jr. Lichtman had a reputation as a heavy hitter. And as Jimmy's story unfolds, he will become a key character in the legal battles.
2: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: To your happy place For a happy price Go to your happy price price Priceline
2: This Ethan Brown article at 5 Just puts me on everybody's radar Especially when he says I'm already being investigated Because Tut and Jack um, Have came down for questioning And I should have reason to be afraid um, Because they may implement me in so, when you look at the history of a Haitian Jack and a cut, and you got me down like those are my soldiers, then what is a prosecutor who want to make a name? These guys are notorious in the street. If he want to make a name, if I'm, the, if I'm the boss of these guys, and these rumors are out there, then everybody who got arrested, they just started saying my name. Because the first person they would ask about was me. Guys in the street would tell me, yo, man, I just want to give you a heads up. Um, I got, When I got arrested, they kept asking about you. I don't know why, but your name always was coming up. And this didn't only happen one or two times. This would happen repeatedly and repeatedly. It was almost like it was too good to be true that I was in the street. And I wasn't killing people, and and then you had the other, like I said, the other rumors that I was walking into people' offices with a gun in my waist and putting it on the table, and they would believe they were believing these rumors because it got to even the point to where they started talking to people at the record companies, and they started telling, me, "Hey man, be careful, because um, they asked for, were you threatening us up here." I was like, really? And, and, and it never was a joke to me. But when I would be around some guys who would be around me, I'd be like, man, can you believe these people really believe that I'm running around here extorting people? So, so it all evolved
1: around all of them. You think after Ethan wrote that article that that's when Chuck Phillips started to gain more interest in your story?
2: I mean, the rumors were there, the name was there, but there was really no feedback. As far as before I did that article. Like, people would ask me for interviews. And then they would spring the Tupac button on me. But that twin peak of the interest pretty much um, started. Because if you look at articles before that, they would only talk about my musical accolade. And the things mm-hmm. that I've done in the music business. Everything after that turned to... Um, you know, the allegations of Tupac and magnifying what he said.
3: The question I posed during the above call would be the first of many times that Chuck Phillips would appear in this narrative. Phillips was a writer at the LA Times in 1995, chronicling the music and entertainment industries. At some point, Phillips became obsessed with the shooting of Tupac at Quad Studios, and he was really interested in and Jimmy's involvement in the shooting. Chuck's obsession with people like Jimmy, Suge Knight, Puffy, and many others inside hip-hop was bizarre. I've been personally trying to find Chuck Phillips for many years, as my work, as it relates to him, has crisscrossed in this case. And also, another case, in the murder and cover-up of Biggie Smalls. I hope one day to hear from Chuck and have him explain his odyssey into this world that resulted in him completely disappearing, which in 2020 is very hard. Here is some archival audio of Chuck Phillips, some of the only audio that exists of him anywhere.
1: I, I wrote the story based upon my sources. There were two people. Who were involved in the beating, and then there were three people who Henchman had spoke to about what happened. Those were my sources in New York for the story, and that's they, bits and pieces they all agreed on. But mostly, it was basically that Henchman set this up because Tupac wouldn't sign with Henchman as a manager, and Haitian Jack and Hanshman were trying to do a management deal with him. They took him all over the city, you know, took him everywhere. And then initially he wouldn't sign with Puffy. Puffy wanted him to sign with Bad Boy. And he was already signed to Interscope, but he was trying to get him over there, right? And he said no. And then they said they could bring him to Bad Boy. They would manage him and they would bring him. And then he said no to Gation Jack and Mm Inchman. And that's why he got beat up.
2: Before that, nobody had real access to me. The only thing that I would talk about is the music industry and the things that I've done and they would write whatever about my past history as far as my arrest or whatever on their own. But it was that autumn that not only did it get on law enforcement, not only did I get on law enforcement uh, radar, that's when I got on Chuck Phillips' radar at that point also.
3: Journalist Chuck Phillips in 2008 wrote an article in the L.A. Times that Jimmy organized the 1994 attack on Tupac at Quad Studios in Times Square. The article alleged that Biggie Smalls and others knew about the attack weeks in advance. Phillips ended up duped by fake FBI 302 documents from a confidential informant. In the L.A. Times had to print a full retraction of the story. Phillips was also fired and disgraced as a journalist. Jimmy sued Chuck Phillips in the LA Times and won an undisclosed sum of money. Chuck Phillips, at the time of his firing, would continue to look into Jimmy and many others by reaching out to friends in federal prison.
2: So at one point, Chuck Phillips get, gets on our radar when Dexter Isaac writes me. Now remember, he's my childhood friend, so I'm sending him money orders and stuff like that while he's in um, the U.S. penitentiary. One of the letters that Dexter writes me he tells me that he's been in contact with a guy named Chuck Phillips who is writing an article and he's trying to find out about me. And he, um, not only is he in contact with Dexter Isaac, he's in touch with a few other guys in the the same jail with him. And then he brings up um, James Sabatino's name, saying that um, James Sabatino said that he was in the room with um, me and Puffy when we conspired to, to assault Tupac. I never knew who James Sabatino was, I believe they they were all in either Allenwood or Canaan at the time, but um, I I didn't know who James Valentino was until
0: Dexter Isaac told me. CBS4 exclusive confessions of a real-life con man, whether posing as a producer for Sony Music or the president of the Miami Dolphins, Jimmy Sabatino has proven to be a master of deception. He even scammed his way into the penthouse suites of ritzy South Beach hotels. And now, though, he's headed to federal prison. Um,
2: and so I asked him, can he get some other letters that Chuck Phillips had sent? Um, and can he send them to me and what he did he sent the letters that Chuck sent him and he sent um, letters that uh, that the other inmates had got from other guys that I had known at some point I gave those letters to Jeff Lickman so that he can um, find out what was going on somehow Chuck Phillips got my, um, my email and he emailed me and asked me could he interview me and I told him that um I told him that I wasn't, because I already knew what he was trying to do. And I told him I wasn't, I didn't want to talk to him. And um, I told him if he wrote anything that was out of order that we, we'd be suing him. He cursed me out and told me that if I thought I was going to get away with, with the whole um, Tupac thing that I was I was kidding. You know, he, he had a plan for me over there. Soon after that, I believe Lickman called him and wanted to know what kind of article he was writing for the L.A. Times. And uh, next thing we know, the article was, was dropped. He put the article out. He put the article out first online, and then it came out on in the L.A. Times um, itself. When the article came out, it only involved me and, and Puff pretty much. It didn't um, talk about really anybody else. And they had papers from James Sabatino saying that um, he, they, they didn't only have papers, they had FBI that said that he, um, Puffy, and myself was in a room and we conspired to, to, to assault uh, Tupac. Uh, at that point, I didn't really know what to do. I mean, if they had SDI reports to back up the story this was the first time that I, I there was ever any paperwork that, that was generated in regards to, you know, the Tupac shoot. So, um, you know, I, I pretty much felt that my career was over with at that point. It was beyond rumors now. Now it was actual police report. It, it was nine days after the article came out that the, the smoking gun article said that papers they relied on on the story was all fake. And so my publicist called me at that time and told me that um, the papers that they used to say that uh, me and Puffy was in the room were fake. So, I mean, uh, of course, a light bulb and some joy in my heart. Like, thank God. Like, now it's finally, you know, that people are lying on me in regards to it comes out
0: It has been nearly 15 years since Tupac Shakur was shot and robbed outside of Manhattan's Quad Studios, but the controversy surrounding that attack rages on today. Although no one has ever officially been fingered in the New York shooting, Pulitzer Prize-winning writer Chuck Phillips recently claimed in an LA Times article that Diddy and the Notorious B.I.G. were aware of a plot masterminded by Czar Entertainment co-founder Jimmy Roseman, also known as Jimmy Henchman. Last week, Phillips admitted that he'd been duped the story was based on false FBI documents forged by a known felon, James Sabatino, who also was a key target in Phillips' report.
3: This is staggering to hear this story. Just think about what Jimmy is saying. Inmates inside a federal prison used a typewriter to manufacture a fake FBI 302 document. 302 documents are used when an FBI agent interviews a suspect or source of information. An agent takes handwritten notes and then types up the official 302 documents. What this means is that someone really wanted to go after Jimmy and Puffy. Someone had a vendetta. To think that inmates could be this creative is staggering. And Chuck Phillips, who at the time was a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, either bought into this scheme from the start, or he was just duped. Did Puffy have a relationship With James Sabatino Or was this something That he
1: just made This whole thing up He
2: he made the whole thing up And, and what we figured happened was There was guys That was And Allenwood with him That um, pretty much um They thought it would be More believable Because he was a white guy um, and Chuck was a white guy, and 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 um, and that it just probably would be more believable coming from him. Um, they told of the story. I guess Dexter told of the story of what happened that night, and he ran it down to Chuck, and Chuck believed it. And then they made the fake FBI reports to go along with his story to back it up, and um, and look like Chuck did the story.
1: Now, even after the, the Smoking Gun article comes out, does that have any effect in your business relationships or is the damage already done? No, the damage is pretty much done
2: already. The damage is done. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm damaged goods already. But, I, you know, I mean, we tried to rebut it as much as we could. I went on MTV with Sway.
1: Did you or did you not have anything to do with him being robbed or shot at Quad Studios in 1994?
2: Absolutely never even knew about it, never heard about it before, afterwards, had nothing to do with it. Nobody that I know, associated with, they can dig up whatever they want to dig up. And I've been very firm in what I've said to people, is that I had nothing to do with it. I talked about it. I said that um, Chuck Phillips should be fired. What they did, they did a
1: retraction on the on the article. Did that satisfy what you felt it had done to your reputation and your career? Or no. I mean, the people who I needed to to show it to, I did. But yeah. the people who,
2: you know, with, with with stories like that, the people who want to believe it, believe it. And the people who, even with a retraction, even with them saying it's a lie. They still want to believe it, you know, and and that's what I had to deal with. I'll give you an example. I was managing um, Brandy, the singer, and dealing with Ray J, her brother. And I was meeting with the mother at the time, and she also knew Tupac. She, at that point, told me that I could not manage Brandy, nor Ray J, because of the rumors that was out there. So even with the retraction, it it hurt me from moving forward with the ventures that I was looking to do.
3: Chuck Phillips would end up being a looming presence in the story of the underworld in hip-hop music and culture. He was obsessed with all the seminal criminal events inside the industry. The problem with Chuck was that he became a mouthpiece of overzealous prosecutors, the LAPD, and many speculated Suge Knight. Chuck Phillips at some point decided to create fake sources, fake documents, and really fake news. Phillips will appear many times inside this story, but his obsession with Jimmy was both weird and will cause years of legal and personal headaches with all who crossed his path.
1: When you're trying to become as successful as you're trying to become and there are stories that are blatantly... What did that do to to you psychologically to have an institution like the LA Times and pretty much anything on the internet that you read have your name attached to something that is is almost like a...
2: It absolutely had my ability to be the best executive and manager um, and executive producer that I could, I, again, I would walk into to offices and you would see, hear the whispers from secretary, and you would see the extra security bumped up when I was in Los Angeles walking into the endoscope building. And it was for no reason. And, and, and because of that, I used to go into these offices alone. I wouldn't go in there with with two or three you know people that are just business people with me because i had to try to dispel the the perception for some reason the jimmy henchman connotation was was real
3: on the next unjust justice
2: well i think i definitely could have handled some of this stuff differently because what what I didn't realize at the time was how much of a punk this guy 50 Cent and Ye-Yo is. I just couldn't believe how much of just little girls they were. Man. Anybody who could jump on a 14-year-old who looked 12, you know they have to be a coward, man. And again, man, they, their favorite thing is... Throwing rocks and hiding their hand. But absolutely, if I really understood what kind of so-called men these guys were, if I really understood that they were boys, little boys with pants bigger than what they can wear, I would have definitely dealt with this differently. A hundred percent. You know, a
3: hundred percent.